The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk may not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. A legend returns to the studio. It is a good evening to you and how you be. William Haynes here, you there at 7.01 on this Monday night. This is Tomahawk Talk, the weekly sports power hour on the voice of Florida State, 89.7 FM and streaming online at wvfs.fsu.edu. The show, as always, is available the next day as a podcast. Big, big show tonight. We, we, uh, we teased the guest at the end of last week's show. But before we get into that, quickly uh, reintroducing our co-host, as always, Jackson Bakich. It's a special day for you, Jackson. Today, you turn 21 years of age. How does it feel? How are you? Well, uh, I'm doing great, and, you know, if I was doing any better, you know, I, I'd, I'd be dead, honestly. And um, I, I was talking to my parents earlier today, and I came to the realization that my adolescence is officially gone. It's done. It's over. Uh, it's not a midlife crisis or nothing like that, but it's, it's, it's a weird feeling. It's a weird feeling, and uh, I'm excited to see what 21 does for me. What was the celebration like? Did you do anything last night? Any plans for tonight? Yeah, so uh, for those of you who don't know at FSU, um, I'm sure most of you do, but uh, at, when you turn 21, the eve of your birthday at midnight, you all get dumped in the fountain, and uh, it felt like New Year's Eve uh, every night, but um, what an experience. It, the water was pretty cold here in Tallahassee in October, but uh, it was a great time. Absolutely. Well, it's good to have you in. Uh, congratulations again to you there. And the guest to our left, Arya Masudi, returns, former host of the show, former sports director of WVFS, and obviously, uh, if maybe you haven't heard it, the recent news uh, about uh, your your new job with the ACC Network. So, Arya, great to have you in. Thanks for giving us some time, and it's good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. I gotta tell Jackson. First off, 21 years old, your life's just getting started. Oh yeah. Yeah, you. I was like, this guy thinks his life's about to come to an end. <laughs> uh, did were you able to get out of the fountain? Okay, it's really slippery. You know, I was. I. You need help sometimes. <laughs> I thought ahead. I wore flip flops. Okay. I wore some some spare, you know, kind of boat shoes. Okay, you're smart. I went in barefoot and I could not get out. I, I, I needed I, help. I, I wouldn't blame you. Yeah, that it is pretty slippery in there, and it's <laughs> it's it's uh, surprisingly very steep. You know, down there. It is. It's not, it's not flat on the bottom, that's for sure. No, well, happy birthday, man. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to see what Aria's been up to. Uh, also, during the show, we'll cast a wide net of, of Florida State sports. Obviously, there's not many that uh, are as plugged in as he is. Uh, and then in the back half of the hour, some NFL, some World Series picks as well, now that we already have that, that matchup on, on the baseball side of things uh, later in the hour. If you want to call us up, talk to, talk to me, talk to Jackson, wish him a happy birthday. If you're a longtime listener and want to say hello to your old host, 850-644-1837 is the number we, have, we will have a line open uh, throughout the show. But uh, I want to start with your most recent news, Arya, and then we can, we can sure. go back through the rest of it. Announced within the last few weeks, you got the call-up to the ACC Network and ESPN. Firstly, congratulations, but, but tell us about that, that new gig. Yeah, it's going really well, and I appreciate it. Uh, I got the call during the summer, and, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to be able to have uh, a lot of people that have been in my corner and um, have supported my dream for, for years now. And uh, I remember, you know, Jackson said he's 21 now, and first game I ever got with, uh, at the time, ACC Network hadn't launched. It was ESPN3. Yeah. Um, and I remember the first game I ever got, I was 21 years old. Or, yeah, I was 21 years old and was bringing water to the talent. And <laughs> two guys called out, couldn't do it. The backup couldn't do it. And I'll never forget, tell me, hey, tomorrow, 1 o'clock, 
this is your chance. And, and uh, you know, as they say, the rest is history. But it's been good. Been doing a lot of soccer um, recently and doing some ACC network and then coming up some postseason with ESPNU and ESPN News. And so um, they're using me wherever they can. It's been, it's been a blast. And hopefully, you know, more sports as, you know, basketball kicks up and baseball and softball eventually um, I'll be able to maybe – get my feet wet with those sports uh, on the TV side of things. And then eventually, if I, if I do well enough, maybe college football will call. And um, that's always been a goal and a dream of mine because I'm a Tallahassee boy and Florida State is life uh, here in Tally. FSU football is king. So uh, I grew up with that. And then, uh, yeah, it's it's been going well. It's a busy schedule right now for me um, with, with everything going on with my radio uh, obligations and, and my full-time job too. So um, it's, it's going to be a fun semester, but... Uh, really excited to be back here, and this was one of the places where it all started. That was a great story you told, uh, you know, carrying water and all that. It's just like the NFL. You, you never know when your number is going to be called. You got Jimmy Garoppolo, in. right? That's why, you know, you, you look at film during the week and all those things. You never know when your number is going to be called. That's a, a great story. We, we've seen you before uh, on TV doing the FSU sports and things like that. Um, how has Seminole Productions been a part of that journey and in, uh, where, you, where you are now with the ACC Network and all that? Yeah, Seminole Productions was, was everything. And it was one of the first opportunities I ever got to be on camera. It was, uh, it really helped me build a foundation for play-by-play and, and to do sideline reporting and hosting. And um, I'm still, you know, working with them every now and then, not as much as I used to. Um, I, I miss a lot of the people there, but uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, doing what I do now. And, and Sempro was, was huge. I mean, it, they, they have such a, a high bar uh, for their digital broadcasts and since the ACC network started they've been uh, on the production side of doing the the national TV games too and so um, as my career has grown it's been cool to see Sempro kind of grow at the same time and we kind of have been on this journey together and um, Kirby Kander who's in charge of that has uh, has been so influential in my life and, and he's a friend of mine now I'm proud to say that and um, yeah Sempro I'll, I'll always try and give back I'm still involved with them a little bit right now and so uh, I would, if you know, if students are listening, I would definitely get involved if you're interested in sports broadcasting. It's, uh, it, it really is amazing what they can do. And you've been with them for quite a while. You graduated in 2017, degrees in sports management and digital media productions. You were busy. You did the radio, the newspaper, SEMPRO, as we talked about while you were there. But the plan was not always to do sports broadcasting for you, was it? No, you've done your research. I'm, I'm impressed uh, with your abilities. Uh, I actually thought I was going to be a uh, doctor. I wanted to be a sports doctor. I knew I wanted to be involved in sports. It was some way, somehow, I had to be involved around a team. And I, my family, a lot of them, um, you know, they're, they're in the medical field. And I always thought that I might be a part of a sports team being a doctor. And then, like, you know, first semester, second semester here, you're like, ah, biology is not really my thing. I don't really have the attention span. Yeah, that uh, huge class in ACB. Huge, right. Oh, my gosh. You, you do poorly on one quiz, you freak out, and you're like, I can't do med school. I'm out. And so, uh, yeah, so I remember, you know, kind of making that shift to, to broadcasting, and it's it's not something you think is a career. Like, when I got into school, I, I, don't, I wasn't, like, coming from a, you know, a broadcasting high school where you're calling games in high school. We didn't have that where I went, and um, I had no idea. It was just something that kind of, fell, I don't want to say fell into my lap, but... You know, I always say you're, you're, you go where you're supposed to and things happen the way they're supposed to, and, and definitely this did. It kind of appeared to you. It came to you rather than you seeked it out. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I had a conversation with, I mean, he was one of my, my good friends, uh, and he's still a friend of mine. Um, back in the day, he played receiver at, at Florida. He was a Gator. 
and he played baseball for them and, and receiver, and we were like childhood friends, and you know, we were just catching up one day, and he was like, why don't you go into broadcasting? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, dude, you know more about football and sports than I do, and I play. And I'm like, yeah, it's, that's true. <laughs> not to be, and it was funny, and we, he was like, you know, why not give it a shot, you know? And I, I always think, like, I always thought you could do it, and that was, that was like the conversation that ignited a spark, for sure. I'll try not to take it too personally, Arya. You say, you know, no one goes to school looking to do broadcasting. I mean, I did that. We can't all be doctors. No, that's awesome. uh, (laughs) No, I'm not a doctor, so. (laughs) (laughs) And again, uh, you're listening to Tomahawk Talk, Arya Masudian with us tonight as our guest. Starting in the the 2017-18 season, you got the call to become the play-by-play voice for FSU women's basketball, a post you still hold today. How much of a thrill was that? Yeah, talk about right place, right time. Uh, I was graduating college. I was 23. I, I did the victory lap fifth year. And um, at the time, you know, I was looking, you know, everyone panics their senior year. They're like, where am I going to go? Is, is broadcasting a, an option for me? As at the time I had done some play-by-play and was like, you know, do I need to go to local news? And I started to put my, my stuff out and like I was getting no bites. Like I'm talking like nobody, every, everybody was rejecting me. And the only ones that might have been interested were, like, the smallest of cities in, like, Iowa and North Dakota and South Dakota. And I just wasn't comfortable at the time or ready to leave, like, my hometown or or be that far away. And my family was here and all that. And, um, yeah, I get a call, and I had done some stuff with women's basketball, like writing articles for for them and uh, doing some ESPN3, like, sideline for them. So they they, they knew who I was. Um, I'd been around, and the play-by-play guys move into, like, Colorado. And he's like, Aria, you filled in for me once. You've been around the program in general. Uh, Coach Sue, at the time Coach Sue Semerow, would love um, for you to be the next guy. And I, I think I would vouch for you. And so it fell in my lap. 23 years old, you have a professional gig with, with Learfield. They were called IMG College back in the day, and now they're just Learfield. But that was huge for me to be a professional and, and get to travel the country and the world, really. You know, we, we've gone all over with that basketball team and um, the consistent reps for me to build my voice, I was terrible. Like, early on, it was bad. Uh, I listen back to some of it now, and I'm, like, rushing and, and too, it just too sped up and just bumbling over words. And But it was really important for me to be able to get that experience and that's what the key is, reps. However you can get them, wherever you have to go, if you're passionate and serious about this industry, you've got to get reps. And so I was lucky at the time. It fell into my lap. Um, and I'll always tell people, you know, in this industry, you do have to work hard. You, you do have to be talented. But um, who you know, right time, right place is like the majority of, of the ingredients to, to, to getting a gig like I have. That's been a common theme. Your number gets called and you take full advantage. An interesting question I, I had for you, I had heard years back, obviously not the case anymore, but FSU women's basketball used to be exclusively aired on WVFS, the student station. Was that the case while you were here? No. Okay, so that was like way earlier than, gotcha. than when I was. We were we were on like a local radio. I don't remember. We've been all over the place. Yeah. 94.9, 96.1, 103, 106.1. I don't know. So, um, yeah, that was back in the day. Tom Block, who actually is one of the big voices of Florida State, I believe when he called women's basketball, it was with V89. And um, I'm not allowed to call to action or anything, but if anyone's listening at V89, I would love to see some of y'all's students, some of you guys get an opportunity to have like a student radio station that does play-by-play. Somehow, some way, um, I've seen it on other college campuses when I travel around, Miami, Syracuse, 
uh, so on and so so forth. They have student radio play by play, and I think that's that's so important. I, I hope you guys get a chance to do that. You know, if Misha's listening at all, you know she should she should definitely push for that because um, there needs to be ways for for students to get opportunities doing play by play before it's professional. So, yeah. And um, you know, Aria, we love having you on. I'm going to give some some props to the uh, to the host of the show here as well. He he has a gig with TCC Athletics. Uh, is that right? That's right. Yeah. Congratulations. Care to see a Brett Rutherford. Yeah. Brett Rutherford, the man. Absolutely. So uh, we're, we're happy yeah. for him as well. And, uh, Congratulations. You're stepping into a, uh, the voice of the Eagles now for men's basketball. Is that right? Yeah, men's basketball analyst on the women's basketball and doing play-by-play for baseball and softball in the spring. Yeah, full-time. Looking, really yeah, that's that's big. I mean, it's, the reps are everything. They're everything. You're going to get better. You're going to look back at it like I did uh, five years from now and be like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? But – Enjoy that, man. Do you hear that, William? You stink right now. Yes, yes. (laughs) You need to get so much better very soon. Treat every single one like it's it's the most important thing you got going because uh, you never know who's listening. I'm serious. You never know who's listening, who's talking to who behind the scenes, and who's heard of your name when when that time comes for, for you to get your shot, so... Well, Jackson, I appreciate the shout out there. That was nice. Low Jackson, like a steak dinner. <laughs> maybe surf and turf. And well, it is my birthday. Yeah, Matzo, it is. Matzo is on me tonight. I guess. Uh, I'll have to maybe do that. I don't know. Uh, Ari, as a local guy, you, you grew up around Florida State sports. You went to Lincoln High School. How has that made your career so far even more enriching covering these teams that you grew up watching? I, you can ask any of my childhood friends, loved Florida State probably more than any other kid in Tallahassee. And I know there's someone out there that'll be like, no way. I know I love Florida State more, but I'm talking like I would cry after we lost games as a kid, like full on. I knew every stat of of every quarterback, and uh, you know all the way back to like Drew Weatherford. I was, I was like, about to, I was about to throw old, out Drew Weatherford. Nine years old, watching Drew Weatherford play, and and before that, you know, you had like Xavier Lee and Chris Ricks, and I I knew stats, and I knew where he went to high school, and. You know, I didn't want to be a, I didn't know I wanted to be a broadcaster, but I knew I was obsessed with sports at the time. And so, man, FSU football, basketball, uh, baseball, soccer, FSU soccer. I mean, it was just like softball was still growing, so that didn't boom until like 2015, really, when Lonnie got this thing going. But, man, Florida State, um, yeah, they meant everything to me. And my, my father actually works with the university now and at the Champions Club. So wow. we've been we've been a part of it. For, for years since I was like maybe 11 so yeah Tallahassee the Knowles you know the handshake emoji for sure <laughs> that love is, is definitely part of it it does make a, a difference you're a busy man we, we've mentioned a lot of the uh, the resume already but you're also the director of creative media for the Osceola through them you have your podcast Tuck Talk about FSU basketball and of course Sunday Golds which I'm sure a lot of people know about baseball and softball how do you manage covering all these teams that, that's a full-time job I have no idea, honestly. You should hear my family and my friends. They get phone calls of me, like, melting down sometimes. Like, you know, I get a call, you know, 2 in the morning, and I'm like, guys, I don't know if I can do this this week. But, you know, they're supportive. Everyone's had my back. You have to grind. And, you know, in my mind, I haven't made it yet, you know. If you keep giving yourself another goal, another destination, then, you know, you're never – there really never is a destination because you're kind of always on the way, you know. And so – um I've I've have lofty goals. The next goal for me is to become full time like multi year contract with ESPN and maybe do in the future NBA or NFL and MLB. Like I have these goals in my mind and I'm not content and so um it's 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 a lot. It is. But I'm grateful and I'm blessed that 
people are thinking of me to, to do these things, you know, and that's every time I get overwhelmed, I, I think back, like, I'm lucky to do this. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. And so you make it happen and uh, social life goes away for a while. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a good time. So pretty basic question. We have a call on the line, so sure. I'm, I'm going to get this in real quick. Um, real basic question. Your favorite sport to call. It's pretty. Wow. It's I've actually been asked that before, yeah. They're all, like, different. I grew up playing soccer and played soccer in high school. So, like, you know, my dad played soccer as well. So, like, that sport for me, it feels like I'm at home when I'm, when I'm calling it. There's not a single thing that I feel like I don't know. I feel pretty good, and I can talk with my color analyst and, and ask good questions. Baseball is a thrill on its own um, because it's relaxed and it's conversational and it's fun. And I, I grew up a baseball fan, so, you know, uh, that's, that's a different thing. And football and basketball are just, like – they're exhilarating, right? Like the crowds, you don't beat that. You don't beat how loud it is. But if I had to pick one favorite to call, oh, man. So if you took everything from me and I said, can I please keep one, I think baseball. Gotcha. And it's, it's special. It's just different. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, baseball is you're kind of weaving in storytelling, especially if you're, if you're a history guy. Like you said, you know, you're, you're very much into statistics. Where you know, as football, you're just kind of describing what's going on. Baseball, it's it's, it's fast-paced football and basketball. Absolutely. You don't have much time for stories. Absolutely. So, are we go? Are we gonna take this call, William? Yeah, I think we've got a caller, probably for you, Arya. You want to uh, pick the phone up for us? Okay. All right, we have someone on the line. You're on Tomahawk Talk with William Jackson and Arya Masudi. Go ahead. Hey, it's uh, it's Lucas. First and foremost, happy birthday, Jay Bake. Oh, thank uh, you, sir. Big twenty-one. Well, I, I appreciate that, Lucas. How you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. I uh, I woke up 15 minutes before this, so I'm glad I did. <laughs> Was able to catch it. Um, and um, Aria, your whole story is pretty inspiring for anyone trying to get in broadcast. I gotta say. Thanks, man. I appreciate um, it. And I mean, I mainly called to say happy birthday, but while <laughs> I'm here, I'm gonna drop a World Series take. Uh, it's boring to root for the Astros, obviously. Everyone already knows. But they've got the best constructed lineup in baseball. Still picking the Phillies in seven. We're repeating the Nationals versus Astros series right here. The underdogs taking it on a national stage. That'd be something. I can't say I agree with you. I mean, Houston has not <laughs> lost a playoff game yet. But Houston, or uh, sorry, Philadelphia, they've been pretty hot in their own right. That's uh, quite a pick, Lucas. I know, I know. I saw, I think I saw it was Foolish Bailey on Twitter. They said it's a, a wise samurai with a katana versus a crazed lunatic with a baseball bat. <laughs> well, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. So when you say repeat of the, the Nats-Astros World Series, are you predicting that the, the road team is going to win every game? Is that what you're saying? Hmm, maybe, maybe not exactly going down <laughs> like that, but I do see – the Phillies winning Game 7 on the road in the Astros home. Gotcha. All right, man. Well, Lucas, we, we appreciate the call, man, and uh, hope you have a wonderful night. And uh, you want to go into sports, sports broadcasting as well, right? Yes, sir. Gotcha. All righty. Well, um, we appreciate you, and uh, have a great night. Y'all have a good one. All right, Lucas, thanks for the call. That was uh, the first call that we've had, Jackson, while we were doing the show that wasn't previously arranged with, like, a sports writer or someone like that. So that was uh, pretty neat there. And, again, the number, 850-644-1837.
But uh, Aria, we established all your all your knowledge here and all you know how uh, in depth you are with all these teams. Let's actually take advantage of that and, and talk about some some Florida State sports on the horizon. We'll start on the hardwood. Uh, let's do women's first. Obviously, the team that you call with the play-by-play. You look to a year ago, 17 and 14. They make the first four, but not able to advance no. any further. Morgan Jones, who led in just about every statistical category, departs to Louisville. Um, so as you look ahead to this year, six out of the ten rostered players are seniors. Uh, the new head coach. What, what's your read on this 2022 season? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a, a relatively big unknown what, what you're going to get from this roster. And so uh, a lot of players transfer out, as you mentioned, and, and, you know, you get Coach Brooke coming in instead of Coach Sue, and they've made a, a couple of different hires to try and make the offense a little more fast-paced. But, you know, they've, they've brought in a lot of new faces. They're, they're going to be led by Omaria Gordon and, and Michaela Timpson, and you kind of hope you get contributions from, from Aaron Howard and Valencia Myers and um, a supporting cast that I think will be able to, to do some things. And they went and got uh, Jasmine Massengill from Kentucky, Taylor O'Brien from – uh, I want to say Bucknell. Um, she came from the mid-major, and um, she's a really good player in her own right. Average like 18 a game, I think, something like that um, with Bucknell. So um, really excited about what they can do. They're a little thin on the roster. I think they have like nine or ten players available. So if you get injuries, you don't have a lot to go dig down and, and grab. But I think culturally things have improved. They, they're going to be a much better team, and I would expect them to make the tournament. I think this team will be good enough, again, to, to be back there. And the ACC is loaded like it is every single season. So um, I'm excited. I, I think people are sleeping on Florida State a little bit, women's basketball, like the men's team as well. And so, um, yeah, I, I get back there, I think, uh, later this week, early next, to start my prep for the for the season um, and getting ready for radio um, with those, you know, with that team and, and those girls. So, um, yeah, I'm pumped. Yeah, Sue Semra, you mentioned, I mean, her career speaks for itself, 24 seasons, nearly 500 wins, 15 NCAA tournament appearances. But the new head coach, Brooke Wyckoff, she played at FSU. She's been a coach at FSU since 2011. She was the interim uh, head coach in 2020. I've heard nothing but awesome, great things about Coach Wyckoff. I mean, what has your relationship with her been like so far? She's awesome. I mean, she was the associate head coach for a while, and, and her and I have a great relationship, and uh, a lot of great conversations, you know, throughout the years on the road and getting ready for games. We used to do a, you know, I think we'll still do it, but a, a pregame uh, scout report for the radio. It's like five minutes long, and uh, an assistant breaks down the, the team that you're about to play. And so Brooke did it a, a thousand times. And so we would chat and have good laughs, and, and she's great, and um, she deserved the job. She really did. She loves Florida State with, with all of her heart. She played here, and it's a Hall of Famer. So, um yeah, she's she she's ready. I, I can see it in her eyes. I, I think she wishes she had a deeper roster for her first season, but it's also not her first time being a head coach. She she interim head coach, like you said, and so I think that experience, while it was different and unique and COVID infested the whole year, yeah. it, it was probably very valuable for her to kind of have that practice of leading a program. And so I think she'll step right in. And her assistants are phenomenal too. So. Yeah, a lot less turbulent, hopefully, than that 2020 season that had everyone, you know, up in a tizzy. So uh, we'll be sure to look out for hopefully a good women's season on the hardwood. But on the men's side, uh, it's a, it's another similar situation, a disappointing 2021, 17 and 14. They go 10 and 10 in conference play. Some people call it a transition year, you know, possibly Leonard Hamilton in the twilight of his career. They lose, I'm not going to say necessarily key pieces, but notable players, Malik Osborne, uh, polite John Butler, all, all departing from the team. Uh, but you have the core 
in, in Matthew Cleveland, who won ACC Freshman of the Year, Caleb Mills, who led the team in scoring, Cameron Fletcher, Jalen Worley, and then they add the transfer from UCF, Darren Green Jr., averaged over 13 points a game uh, in Orlando last year. That would have led the team if he was on Florida State. I think Mills was uh, like 12 and a half or something like that. But what's the outlook for the, for this men's team? Um, with, with how, I mean, they didn't make the tournament, obviously. They declined, I believe, the invitation to the NIT. Right. Are they going to get back to March and play some meaningful basketball, do we think? I think so. Uh, I think, you know, last year, if they weren't so ravaged by injuries, Absolutely. they would have made the tournament. Like, th- we saw in a week when they beat Miami and Duke, yeah. and they beat, Duke, uh, they beat Miami again within, like, that same 10-day span. You kind of saw, like, what the ceiling of that team was. Uh, if they were fully healthy. You know, Malik Osborne stays healthy. You know, Raekwon Evans stays healthy. Naheem McLeod stays healthy. Like, you had guys that I think were experienced enough and were good enough to get you back to a tournament. And once you get to the tournament, it's it's basically a crapshoot, right? And, like, who knows? Get hot. Keep going. Um, FSC's done it before, you know, with a nine-seed team uh, that, that made it to an Elite Eight. So, it was disappointing. I know talking to Coach Ham and Coach Stan Jones and that staff, they were really they were really disappointed because they had never faced anything like that at Florida State where they went to Cameron Indoor uh, and played Duke, and none of their starting five was available. Their walk-ons were, were playing. Um, and a credit to the, the culture they built, I think they were only down like six at halftime in Cameron to Duke with, with like three walk-ons playing. Um, Harrison Prieto goes nuts. You know, Justin Lindner starts playing. It's just, it was amazing like that they were even still fighting and – it just, you know, Polite got hurt, and they're in the middle, and um, that team was good enough. So you look back at what they have now, it's a lot of new faces, a lot like the women's basketball team. They went to the transfer portal, they got some good freshmen, uh, but they lost Jalen Ganey for the season with a torn ACL. So, like, uh, that hurts. Florida State doesn't have a lot of depth inside. Uh, they were really counting on, I think he came from Brown. And so you've, so you've got a guy who's pretty smart. You don't just get into Brown. It uh, doesn't matter if you're an athlete or you're going for academics. Uh, he was going to be, I think he's 22 years old or 23 years old, so you'd had a guy who'd been through some wars, um, 6'10", and I was told by Caleb Mills that he was the most athletic guy on the team at 6'10". That hurt them. He's out. I mean, it, it just crushed them. You know, kind of an emotional leader, a physical guy down low, probably could have averaged 10 points and 10 rebounds a night, and you need that in the, in the physicality of the ACC. So that hurts, uh, but Naheem McLeod, you know, more than capable of being a star. He had shown flashes. Uh, they went and got Baba Miller um, uh, from Spain. And Baba, depending on who you talk to, uh, is maybe the most talented uh, international player that was out there uh, in the recruiting class. And so a lot of people think he has, like, first-round upside. 6'11", can shoot the three, has smooth skills. I mean, he's not Kevin Durant or, like, Luka Doncic, but, like, he does a little bit of what both of them do that it's kind of, like, freaky at 6'11". And so... If he gets comfortable, you know, with the team, he got here in, like, I think right before the semester started. So, like, he didn't have time to do summer ball. He has a chance to be, like, an X factor. And then Caleb Mills, like, he's so talented. And he's getting comfortable. He got comfortable, I think, last season in in his role in Tallahassee. And Cam Fletcher, top 75 recruit. If Kentucky wants you at any point, you're probably pretty good at what you do uh, if Coach Cal wants you. And so... Uh, I'm sure I'm missing some guys. There's some fr- oh Cleveland. You know, if Matt Cleveland plays the way that his five-star billing has has always been touted, you know, I say if Matt Cleveland gets drafted this year, you've had a pretty good season, which means he's taken the steps forward. And Jalen Worley was like a fringe four or five-star. Like he was right there, top 30, uh, really good player that Villanova, Virginia wanted. And if those guys want you, you can play some ball. So 
I'm excited. I really am. Like, they're going to have a good team. Darren Green from UCF, I've been obsessed with his game since a couple years ago when he scored 30 against Florida State. Uh, that's the best shooter FSU has had wow. in years. I'm talking, like, P.J. Savoy was really good as a marksman. Darren Green might be even better. And, and he's old. He's 23. He's kind of got that, like, relaxed vibe he brings to the team. And um, this is a tournament team. Like, if they stay healthy, they, they can't afford some injuries in certain spots. Um, but if they can stay healthy, uh, this is a team that I think will con- like compete for the top four in the ACC this year. Like they're they're really good, and I think they got projected fifth um, in the preseason ACC. So a lot of people have belief in them. Like we're a fringe top twenty-five team, depending on where you look. Some have us at twenty-five, others are like uh, thirty to thirty-five or forty. But that basically means the expectations are pretty high if you're in the top forty consensus. So I'm I'm pumped. Basketball is like one of my favorite sports, guys. Like it's. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm around the building often, and, and I do Tuck Talk, which is a men's hoops pod. So um, I'm pretty close to that program, and they're, they're, like, quietly very, very confident in what they have this year. New Bloods, once again, and potentially oh, taking yeah. some people by surprise. Clearly, the, the AP Top 25 is not the only type of ranking we've seen at football that it's always not the best. But Florida State is unranked. I think they're 32 if you count uh, those receiving votes. There's only three teams in the ACC that are ranked in the AP UNC number one, Duke number seven, and Virginia at number 18. FSC will play all three of those teams this year. And I like the point that you make about Darren Green, the lights-out shooter. It seemed to me at points last season when that team was really struggling, it's not that they weren't having open shots, but they would get open opportunities. No one wanted to take the shot. They couldn't make them when they were letting them go. It was like, how many games did we look up? And FSU's like... Six of 21 from three. Like, barring Caleb Mills getting hot one night or Wyatt Wilkes, who, who had a poor season last year by his standards, like, they had one or two guys that could carry you, right? Like, John Butler could go three for four. But if he wasn't, you were in trouble, right? And it was, like, very few games where the year before they were, like, 10 of 21 most nights from three. They were shooting at, like, 38%, and uh, they think that this team will shoot it better. And you're right, Darren Green's going to be huge. And you're going to need some other guys, I think, to step up and hit some shots, too. All right. Well, you got me excited. You have me sold on the men's side of things uh, in 2022. Now on the baseball diamond, uh, they've been active with the, the scrimmages and, and the, the fall camp and all that. Uh, a lot of storylines around this program. Mike Martin Jr. out, Link Jarrett in, uh, Link played at FSU, coached at FSU, similar situation as we've talked about tonight some key departures they lose most of their starting pitching parker messick bryce hubbard uh dunn as well leaves uh via the transfer other players that have left scalero tyler martin alex Terrell, reese albert brett roberts all these guys that you know so ariel start here i mean whether you look at the coaches you look at the the roster the players i mean this team could not look any different yeah i mean you know brett nevin and i co-host that, that podcast together sunday golds and um, if you don't check out his stuff, like I would, he's, he's phenomenal at what he does with baseball. But 18, he told me 18 newcomers or 18 freshmen on the team altogether. And they went and got some Juco guys. And um, it's, a, it's a lot of new faces, a lot of roles that haven't been defined. And when you look out there, there's like three guys that you see from last year's team. And, and you're like, oh, well, that's a good thing. And it could be a bad thing. You know, bad, obviously, because not a lot of experience. Um, you know, they, they haven't played together a lot. But also good because you have a new head coach and he can kind of put his fingerprints and, and, and you know, his finger on that team because they are young. 
um, and, and then maybe they'll listen to him a little bit more and, and kind of take his personality too. So um, baseball is going to be interesting. It's fall ball, so it's really hard to know exactly what you have right now. I mean, some guys are going to get cut on that roster who played in the exhibition this weekend. Um, but on the mound, they've got a couple of really talented arms that, that are hoping to step in, and it's hard to replace a you know, Parker Messick or a Bryce Hubbard. Like, you don't just do that. Like, that's, that's tough. But they've got some talent. They've got guys that have turned down, like, big money as high school prospects. Um, in the past, and you're kind of hoping they take that step forward, whether that's, you know, uh, Carson Montgomery or Jackson Baumeister, like two guys who, if it clicks, it's like 95-96 with a fastball and elite secondary stuff that will probably get them back in the first round. And, um, you know, Wyatt Crowell or, or Connor Whitaker could be a stabilizing force in there too. So the pitching, I'm a little more interested in seeing what happens than the hitting because I think they went and got some really talented hitters. You mentioned, I was reading an article today from Brett Nevitt on 24-7, and he had mentioned that Link Jarrett's teams historically at Notre Dame, fielding percentage-wise, were about 60, 70 points higher than the team Florida State fielded last year. So you mentioned, you know, the, the taking the personality of the coach. I think if the defense is better, some of these things um, are a bit different than we've seen in years past. That would be, for a lot of fans, uh, a sight for sore eyes. You look at the players that are returning on this roster. Jaime Ferrer, a lot yeah. has been made about him. James Tibbs. Uh, obviously, Carson Montgomery is, is a big X-factor guy, a boomer bust in some ways. And even Trayton Rank, a guy who can play a ton of positions, mm-hmm. came on at times last year. Uh, you mentioned all the freshmen. Who knows, like you said, with fall ball, who's going to be around. But uh, is there enough young guys with really high potential to carry this team for them to make some significant noise? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Jaime Ferrer is a first-team All-ACC type of player. You know, that's a kid who I think is going to play in the major leagues. He's got an advanced approach at the plate, and he showed it as like a 19-year-old. And it was like, wow, he's, he's really strong, you know, to, to both sides, opposite field, pull side. James Tibbs, really talented. You know, he's battling a little bit of a nick right now, and he'll be back hopefully full go for, for spring ball. But he hit 300 in his first season, so that's really exciting. Um, and then, like like you said, you know, there were Sebastian Jimenez who caught him and Trayton Rank, like, hit home runs against Auburn. You know, you were down 21 to whatever it was. It was a blowout. But I remember me and Brett were sitting next to each other, and both of us were like, why, aren't they, why didn't they get more at-bats this season? Right? Like, Sebastian Jimenez hit a ball 400 feet over a scoreboard at Auburn. And you're thinking, he has eight at-bats all season long. Yeah. Why? Trayton Rank hits a bomb out. And every time he played, by the way, he hit, like, 280. And you're like, why isn't he playing more? And so you're hoping, like, those guys get opportunities. And, you know, Ferrer and Tibbs are really good. And then uh, Colton Vincent coming back at catcher, I think that provides some leadership. So it could be him or Jimenez, and they'll, they'll figure out kind of, like, who fits where best. Um, and then they went and got uh, McGuire Holbrook from West Virginia, who, if you just put his average, you know, what he hit last year for West Virginia, he'd have led FSU in batting average. So uh, Link went and got a guy that was, like, ready. Um, and then they have this kid coming in. I say coming in, he's here right now, but I think his name is Cam Hayes, and he was like a top 50 prospect and turned down big millions of dollars to, to come to Florida State instead of getting drafted and six foot four, plays third base and shortstop, and he's really, you know, like he's really good, and um, it's just like when he hits the ball, it's easy. Like it comes off the bat, and he looks like, I'm not going to compare him to Machado, but like the body, like you're like, that kid's the hot corner, and he's six four, and he moves really well, and, and everything's strong, and and Jordan Carrion, I think, is going to lead your team this season. Like, I think that's, like, your emotional leader. Um, last season he tried at times, you know, but he was still new, and, and that's not his team really. 
coming from the University of Florida. He's he's just trying to find a good opportunity for himself. But I think he steps in as like your your vocal leader. And so I like the team. Like I think they have a chance, but a lot. I think a lot's gonna have to break, like their way. Like I, I I'm they're gonna make the tournament. That's Link's gonna get that thing perfect. Like Link Jarrett is a ridiculously good head coach. Yeah, from from what I've heard, practices are much. Oh, it's insane. Much better. It's amazing. Like it's everything structured mm-hmm. some of the things they're doing you're like i've never seen them do this he's got a plan like it's clear he's been successful at uncg and at notre dame and it's very clear that he's going to be successful here but like if fsu is going to like meet the expectations of its fan base in baseball like fsu just hosting a regional is not good enough for fsu baseball fans you got to be like a national seat the top eight and you got to make omaha because that's what mike martin senior 11 he built that standard. It was like if you didn't make it to Omaha, it was a failure of a year. So haven't really hosted a regional in a while, haven't been to Omaha in a while, obviously, haven't been in a super regional in a while. Those are all things that I think Link's going to have to try and check off the list first, right? Get, host a regional or get back to a super, and then we'll worry about Omaha and getting this roster right. Um, but I think this team has a sneaky, sneaky chance to be decent. But, again, we've got to wait and see. Yeah, it sounds like there's some factors in there that would lead you to believe there is some bit of a transition period going on, but on the other side of that, things could look really, really great. Uh, on the football, the, the gridiron, obviously we have talked it to death, it seems like, uh, the games that have been played so far this season, but as you look ahead, they're 4-3, and three, so two more wins to get a bowl game. You look at the five games left, they host Georgia Tech, go to Miami, go to Syracuse, host Louisiana, and host Florida, so... Aria at four and three, you know, they've lost three in a row against a really tough slate the last three weeks or the last three games. What's your outlook for the rest of 2022? Yeah, you know, again, we keep talking about, like, health and injuries, and it's like this FSU team has been ravaged. It's, they haven't had a full roster, it feels like, since the beginning of the season. And um, to be four and three where you are, I think is about right. Maybe I believe you should be five and two, the NC State game the only one, in my opinion, that you kind of let get away. I think Wake beat you, and I think Clemson looked better than you um, when the game kind of, you know, settled in and, you know, talent matters, and and Clemson's just, they got some dudes. Um, Credit them for fighting. FSU's fought in all of its losses. That's not been embarrassing at any point. Uh, But the schedule gets easier in this back half. I think this is when we really find out, you know, how many steps forward have we taken as a program, right? Like, it's Miami looks, I mean, beatable is an understatement. Miami, I think at this point you might be favored against Miami in Coral Gables. You should, like, right? Like, you, you feel like you should win that yeah, game. Yeah, the SBI has them at, like, I think 68, 69%. And uh, I don't know, what the, uh, obviously they haven't done a line yet. But, yeah, they have, minus um, six. Really? State. Yeah. Wow. Which is at a road game. So, like, on a neutral, you're looking at, what, minus nine? Yep. And at home, minus 11, minus 12. So, like, it's a rivalry game. I've learned, you know, I grew up watching all these games. Every single one, almost, like, 90% hit rate. These games go to the fourth quarter. Look at Auburn, Alabama every year. It It, just happens. You you never know. Because the way that you prepare for that week is different. Mm -hmm. The, the, The attention you have from your players as a coaching staff is different. When it's personal... It's different. When right? that hurricane flag goes onto, that, just onto that tower. It's just different. It's different. Like, yeah, they might be, one team might be better than the other, mm-hmm. but you're going to get 110% like, speed all the time. Turnovers happen. Guys tighten up in those games. So there might be turnovers that you wouldn't have had against Jacksonville State, well, last year especially. Uh, whoops. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, there are, it's a different game. The, the heart pumps at a different level. Um, 
that's one of my favorite games to go to. Like every year, it's fun. Miami doesn't really show up for their games, no. but they do for that one. Yeah, their fans do. And FSU puts like twenty thousand that fans in that stadium down there too, because like a lot of SoFlo Knowles, um, just a ton. And so that's always fun. Um, but then like you look at Florida. I don't know what Florida's going to look like on the final game of the year. That's usually like who has less injuries, whose quarterback's still available, you know, and that's another one where it's like both teams are going to give 110%, and, and those games are usually pretty close, right? Like last year, both teams were not good. But, you know, FSU fought. It wasn't a blowout. Um, but on paper, you should be able to beat them at home, right? Like if we're looking at this specifically on paper, Louisiana has to be a win. Okay, like that, you can't lose games like that if you want to be who you want to be at Florida State. Syracuse looks tough. They look pretty good. But they're not the best team on your schedule. Yeah, I think that Clemson game is, that, that score is a little bit of, uh, I wouldn't say a misnomer, but it's, it's a little misleading is the word I'm looking for. Um, there's that 14-point swing there where Clemson's on the one-yard line, they fumble the ball, it gets taken all the way back for a touchdown. Right. So uh, the Syracuse offense only scored 14 points in that correct. game. Right, correct. And, right. and, um, and I however, think Clemson had, what, four turnovers mm-hmm. in the game, and they still found a way to win yeah. despite it. Yeah, I get Absolutely. you. And I'm not saying Clemson doesn't look tough. I'm just saying I, don't think, I think Clemson played a lot better than uh, it looks on paper in the final score. But that game is going to be tough. It's going to be at the on Carrier the Dome or the, the what dome is it now? Sorry. JMA Wireless. Yeah. That's, that's, that's they right. get air conditioning, by the way, in that stadium for the first time. This, it was like this season. And the Carrier Dome's like announcement yeah. like deal or like the, the sponsorship rights expire and they don't renew. So you're like, oh, the, the air conditioning <laughs> company no longer has the naming rights. But they just got air conditioning in the building for the first time ever. It's a weird – Syracuse is a weird place. You have such history in their football. You have know, Ernie Davis and, and Jim oh. Brown. And then for the past 20, 30 years, they've just been so up and down. And then they always find a way to play Clemson tough for whatever reason. It's the weirdest kind of rivalry in the past four or five years within the Atlantic. Such a weird, weird program. I don't know what, what else to say about it. They are a good team. Like this season, they've got a good defense. It's salty. I think Schrader's a little bit better than people think. Yeah. Tucker's an NFL running back. Uh, Sean he was Tucker. pleased with his performance. He was. Weekend. I love his tweets. <laughs> it always reads as like he's writing home, uh-huh. like you know, like he's yeah. writing a letter back to his parents. And I'm like, Sean, you're, you're like in your what early 20s in 2022. Like you don't have to. You can just say, <laughs> you can just say, you know, I played dope. Great. Hashtag. You know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> why are you writing me a le- why are you writing me like a letter back home? Like it's civil war, and it's like I was pleased with him. You know, like dearest Abigail. Like, what are we doing? It but, has been a fortnight since I have fortnight. written. Like, brother, just say. Like, we watched the game. We know. We, we, we saw you. We have stats. But it's great. It's yeah. Great. So Syracuse is really good, and I, I do believe that they're really good, and that's going to be your toughest game of the season left. Because also, you got to remember, you're coming off of the Miami game, so yep. you've had to really get ready for Miami. All week, and that's going to be a bloodbath. And it's a nighttime game, too. And it's a nighttime game. So you've, you've basically, you're going to be emotionally spent getting ready for Miami. And so I just think having to turn it around twice is, like, going to be very hard for FSU. Road games back-to-back as well. Right. And Syracuse, like, I get that they're a good football team, but their name, brand recognition on its own, isn't enough to, like, make players be hyped. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. it's not like a brand name program where it's like, oh, Clemson game every year, doesn't matter, you're going to be locked in. Rivalry games, you're locked in. So, yeah, I think uh, you got to beat Georgia Tech also. Like, that's, the Georgia Tech, Louisiana need to be like locks 
right? And I think they are. And I, I think so too. I think this program's getting there. And so then it's like those those final three. Can you go two and one in those? I think eight and four. That's pretty good, guys. Like we, we were five and seven last year. Yeah. You know, opportunity in a bowl game to win your ninth. That's how you get recruits to finally like sign on and want to be with you and want to change your program. So. But what stinks as you know, people that cover Florida State and yeah. are around it uh, a decent amount of the time. It's just we'll, when you're in those moments and you're watching those games and these games look so winnable. Not, I mean, Wake Forest definitely beat up on Florida State. They definitely won that game. Yeah. Um, but that that NC State game, man, it. it that got it, away. It, it felt like that 2012 game in Raleigh. It was worse than that. It, yeah, it, it's golly. It, it was just so weird to watch. And, you know, when you go to the Clemson game and you, you're fourth and – or, excuse me, you're on the goal line and you run three straight fade routes to Johnny Hurts. Wilson, it, it, you're, just, you're left puzzled I'm is the you. best word to put. 100%. And, and you, wonder, you wonder, like, in-game, can they manage the middle of the game, right? Like, it's pretty obvious they're better than they were, right? Like, they start out absolutely. hot in most games. Like, they, their first drives are really good. They show you they'll fight. So, like, at the end of games, they're still giving you effort. It's like that middle second and third quarter when the game settles in and the emotions wear off and you don't have your script that you run and, and what you've practiced all week. This team just got to stop turning the ball over at just killer times. They are, and um, that's, that's going to be the challenge like going forward. And you're right. In that middle of that game, you're no longer playing football with emotion. You're just playing football. It's, um, and that's where Florida State definitely needs to – really get down to the business side of the game and, and, and really stick to that process of really, you know, playing football. I don't know how else to say it. Just really managing um, game management. That, that's probably the I best agree. way. That, I agree. You've got to execute State. in the middle. Like, exactly. You know, like against NC State, you're dropping the football. Jordan Travis didn't play that poorly. Like he, he threw some good balls yeah. that early in the first half especially. Like if you catch them, that's a different game, right? Like McLean dropped a, a touchdown. Yep. Uh, Johnny Wilson dropped a first down. Uh, I just there were moments you're like, what are we doing? And, and that should have never came down to the end, um, but it did. That's the one that hurts, I think, in my opinion. NC State wasn't that good, especially when Leary gets hurt. It's like you're playing the backup. Find a way to finish this game. And we were talking about this uh, a couple of weeks ago um, when we did our, our show after that game. You know, you have you have a backup quarterback who only attempts two passes, completes none of them, and you're not loading the box. I mean, we we just uh, agreed. You know, we just that was tough. It was, that it was, that it game was, hurts, yeah. like because you could be five and two. Yep. You have like a, a nine or ten win season kind of available to you, even if you're not that good yet. But you, you have it available. And I think so. the morale of the team is totally different going into that Clemson game, you're five right. and two. I think you're right. Than, yeah. I think you're right, and it's they came out of the game. I mean, out of the gates, right, against Clemson. And I was like, oh, the boys came to play. Yeah. You know, opening touchdown drive, 14-7, take the lead. Then you're driving again right before halftime, and you just to fumble, like, just they killed themselves, right? Like, and they, they made it interesting at the end, which shows you that, like, they can, they can definitely, like, fight with Clemson. They have dudes now that can actually, like, compete. But to beat a Clemson, like, you've got to play four quarters. I've never been to therapy, but this feels like a group therapy session. You've right got to have perspective on it, man. Yeah, it's like it's, this, this program last year lost to Jacksonville State. Like that, I, every time yep. I think about it, I'm like, if they go 7-5, and five, hypothetically, it's not, it's not exciting, but it's better than you were last year with probably a tougher schedule this year than you had last year, and then you have your chance for your eighth win in a bowl game. 8-5, and five, I think you're on the right track. Now, 
yeah, I would hope that they go four and one in these final five. Like I think they can. I think that's that's the expectation. Um, I think like the ESPN FBI, whatever, however you feel about it, they have us. They have Florida State uh, with one loss according to the percentages to that to the Syracuse team. Um, but and and you said oops about mentioning Jacksonville State earlier. I tend to accidentally bring them up every week, so don't don't apologize just, about it's that. It's just a point. Like, it's embarrassing. Yeah, right? no, like, no, that's when it happened, and yeah. and where we were a season ago with where we are now. I mean, I've gone to practices. I see it on a day-to-day basis. They are much better than they were. Yeah. And this thing is going in the right direction. Um, I know, I mean, it's FSU, right? Like, everyone has, like, big goals. It's Florida State football. The culture, the, the, the building block has been built. I think we can all agree yeah. on that. This, that. this season has been a testament to that. The culture is, is locked in. It's, it's now, like we talked about, it's now the game management part. Yeah, you got to start winning games. Absolutely. This year, and show me that, right? In the final five games, show me that you can win I mean, you can win five of them hypothetically. Like, none of the five left are like when you say, oh, wait, NC State, Clemson, back-to-back-to-back. You know? Like, I would even argue LSU might be on the same level as Syracuse. Obviously, one's on the road. The other is neutral. LSU looks good. They are, they are good. Yeah. And Brian Kelly's a good coach. Yeah. They have a lot of talent. You know, defensively, they're strong. And Jane Daniels is better than, than he was when he first – like, he was new. He was – I think FSU caught them at just, like, the perfect time. Yeah. Right? Like, it was – Opening game for LSU. FSU had already played a game, so they were more in sync. Um, I think, you know, it's a new team with a new coach that's still trying to figure themselves out. QB controversy a week before right. the season starts. They don't know Brian Kelly, like, inside and out. It's a brand, brand new coach, right? And so FSU almost lost the game. Like, that's because LSU's pretty good. And they, they have a solid eight-win team. I think they're nine wins maybe. But that game for FSU was huge because I think it changed the perception of the FSU program. Right, and you go and get some of these recruits, the five-star receivers, and uh, you know you're now you're in the top 20, top 15, and you needed that win. And you needed that win perspective-wise. For and if LSU wins out, they win the West. They might. Do you think they'll beat Bama? Bama looks vulnerable. Vulnerable enough. Enough. Yeah. I mean, that's I a rivalry Saban game gets too. Them, Saban gets them ready for for LSU. It feels like unless like Joe Burrow is the quarterback, and it doesn't matter. You know, I just. I think Bama's about to be a wrecking ball the rest of the season. You think so? I feel bad for it, yeah. I mean, Mississippi State played decent, and Bama won comfortably. Yeah. So, we'll see. Obviously, it's hard to count out Nick Saban and, um, obviously, you know, LSU, too. I think they're an eight or – I think they might be an eight-win team this season, maybe nine. So, we'll see. Well, let's give our picks for the Florida State game this weekend, this Saturday at noon, first nooner of the year on the ACC Network. We host Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, the Yellow Jackets, three and four this year. Florida State coming in at 4-3. and three. Florida State favored by 23. We mentioned the big line against Boston College earlier this year. It was the first time in a while we'd been favored that big against a conference opponent. This 23 number uh, puts that one to shame. The over-under is 47.5. Just a quick note on Georgia Tech. They fired their head coach, uh, Jeff Collins, this year after a 1-3 and three start. He finished 10-28 and 28 in his run. Since then, it's been Brent Key taken over he was the associate uh, head coach and the offensive line coach uh, he is two and one uh, after that that awful one and three start as as the head coach but their last game they lost 16 to nine to the virginia cavaliers uh their starting quarterback i'm talking about georgia tech jeff sims gets hurt in that game the the, the backup zach gibson looked pretty awful um georgia tech they allow 26 points nearly 400 yards per game they only score about 16 so no matter what way you slice it, guys, it doesn't look like 
the Yellow Jackets can really make much of a play at all. I know it's dangerous when you say that, but what do they have going for them? They might not even have their quarterback on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I think this is uh, it's a winnable game, not just winnable. I think you're expected to win, and I'd like to see FSU win comfortably, right? Like, this is the game. It's like, guys, get back on track. Show us what you had going against, like, Boston College, and, you know, Louisville was exciting, I mean, for Tate to come in and do what he did, but need to see this team play with some consistency here against an opponent that you should overmatch. Uh, if Sims doesn't play, like, it only makes it worse, right? You had a bye week, get ready, let's go. Don't overlook them and go to Miami mentally. Like, this should be the game. I think FSU wins by, by two touchdowns. I do like them, I don't know, 30, 31-14, 31-17-ish. Jackson? Favored by 23, right, at home. Um, I'm going to go with a three-touchdown score. Uh, I don't think they'll, they'll cover, but I think um, – I think they will manage the game. I think this is the game for them to finally – because we saw it with Duquesne. There was no struggle at all. Um, and throughout the season, they've won games that they're supposed to win um, throughout the season. So uh, I'm going to go Florida State 42, Georgia Tech 21. All right, my pick, I got the Knowles 28-10. to 10. If you made me pick, I would take the, the minus 23, but just how I think the game would play out, 28-10, to 10, I don't know. Aria, you mentioned that the offense just goes to sleep at parts during the game. The scripted drives, the first 10 or 15 plays are great. That 2020 opener against Georgia Tech uh, was a great example of that. Um, like I said, I, I don't know what Georgia Tech has. Even if it's the backup, though, I'm sure they'll find a way to – find the end zone at least once and uh, producer Jack wants everyone to know he's got 38 to 9 in favor of the Knolls so we got a a clean sweep once again and he's a Georgia Tech guy he grew up a Georgia Tech guy he did he did we're going to cut out the sunshine slate this week because we're running out of time and to be frank I don't really want to talk about the Buccaneers I'll use that as the excuse but the Bucks fall 21 to 3 to Carolina they're 3 and 4 the Dolphins, a big win on Sunday night, 16-10 to 10 over Pittsburgh. Uh, they're uh, back in the win column at 4-3, and three, and the Jaguars lose another heartbreaker at home to the Giants. They're 2-5, and five, uh, and it looks like uh, there might be some trouble in there with Doug Peterson and company. But to cap off the show, we got about five minutes left. I want to make some, some baseball picks. We'll talk about the, the championship series quickly. The Astros swept the Yankees. I mentioned earlier they have not lost a playoff game. They swept the Mariners, and now they sweep the Yankees. New York not putting up much of a fight, and it was the Philadelphia Phillies over the Padres in five. Phillies did what they did uh, to the Braves as well, which is they steal a home game early in the series, and they take uh, advantage with a really, really strong uh, home crowd there in Philly. So we got any takes on those championship series, either one? Well... Uh, Houston's just so good. They're just they're just too good. And it, it, as much as it pains me to admit it, because I, I still until every single player from that Houston Asterisk team is gone, I cannot cheer for them. I just can't. Maybe maybe it going all the way up to the uh, to the owners box, but um, golly, do they look good? And I, I'm gonna have to pick them in the World Series. Um, they're just they're just too good. For all the way around, whether from from pitching to hitting, from defense uh, in the field, and you have Jose Altuve, um, anything's possible. Yeah, I mean I'm a Braves fan, and it hurt to watch Philly kind of do what they did to us, and they deserved it. They've got some magic right now that I think the Braves had last year. Uh, similar in the wins too, I think coming in, I think the Braves at 88 and the Phillies at 87, and so and they believe, man. Like at this point, I mean it. 
they're all Major League Baseball players. And, and once you start believing at that level, Harper is arguably the best player on either team with the way he's playing right now. That's not to say the Astros aren't loaded. Um, but if you get guys like Hoskins hitting and Real Muto and Segura, uh, you know, people forget, like, the Phillies have, like, one of the highest payrolls in baseball. Like, they did, they did uh, invest. And Nola and Wheeler are as good as they come. Uh, and that atmosphere in Philly is ridiculous. And so I think they got a shot. I think they're playing with, like, magic and house money right now. But I'm with Jackson. I think, like, listen, like, the Astros are, I mean, gosh, like, they, they, left some of, like, they left some studs off their, like, roster for the postseason. You know, when you look at their rotation, it's like Justin Verlander, who, how in the heck is Justin Verlander, like, still pitching the way he is at the age that he is? I mean, I have my theories, but... We can leave that for a different time. <laughs> and then you have, like, Valdez and, and Javier and, and, and guys coming, McCullers and, like, Urquidy. And it's ridiculous. Like, their rotation is ridiculous. Their bullpen's ridiculous. And the question for them all season was you knew the front four would hit, right? Like, you knew, you know, Altuve and Bregman and, and Jordan Alvarez, who I think is one of the best players in the game, um, those guys would hit. Kyle Tucker would hit. The question was what would Jeremy Pena do? What would Vasquez do? What would you, you, uh, Guriel do? Because he was having a down season by his standards. He's clearly looked good. Um, they're all playing like a, like a franchise that's just been there so many times. And I think they were pissed at the way they lost last year to the Braves, which is one of my favorite sports memories I'll ever keep with me for the rest of my life. I was at Game 4 of the World Series mm. on the, uh, the back-to-back home runs from Soler and Dansby to, to win Game 4. And I, just, I think Houston's going to win it. I think it'll go 6 or 7. I'm leaning six with the head. I think Philly can push it to seven. I just, I just think they're too much. And when you think about, like, uh, Verlander getting to pitch twice or Valdez getting to pitch twice, and that line, it's just they're really good. And they don't care who or they play, right? Like, Yankee Stadium's a tough place to play, and, and the Astros don't care. Like, that. They've, they've all been in how many different clutch situations in their lives? Yeah, they're, I mean, the, they're, the, they're the warriors of, they're, of this They're generation. so good. They're so good. And I know no one wants to see them win, but I can't, I can't like, stomach the Phillies winning yeah. the World Series. So I'm going to be low-key, like, rooting for the Astros to, to get this. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to whoever's listening. It's Houston's uh, fourth World Series appearance in the last six seasons, a dynasty that's seemingly unmatched against the rest that you stack them up against. I, I tend to be with you, Aria. I'll take the Astros in six games. I'll take Alex Bregman as my World Series MVP, too, but... I think, as you mentioned, the starting pitching is maybe where the, the greatest discrepancy lies. Aranola kind of laid a dud. It seems like the Phillies are pretty much rolling with Zach Wheeler, and that's about it. I don't know if many people know this, but the last series of the regular season, it was actually Philadelphia in Houston, and Ranger Suarez got shelled. I think uh, he gave up six runs to that Houston lineup. And so uh, it was kind of like the Yankees where it just seemed like they had to keep going back to Garrett Cole. I think the Phillies will be in that situation with Wheeler. And uh, even if Philly's lineup is better, the, the pitching is not going to be enough to withstand seven games. So, unfortunately, I'll probably see Houston hoisting that trophy, Dusty Baker and company. Uh, but that's all the time that we've got for this week. Aria Masudi, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. For coming guy. on the show. It was great. Wow. I mean, I've come back to this place that I used to host the show, and nothing's changed. <laughs> like, the posters look the same, and... Uh, it smells the same in this building. Like when you walk in, you're like, okay, I can't wait to see the laser lounge in a minute. I'm sure nothing's changed, but thanks for having me guys. I appreciate you thinking about me and uh, anything I can do to give back to, to V89. Uh, so important in my life. So I appreciate it. Certainly we appreciate it as well. So for 
I've been William Haynes, our co-host Jackson Bakich, our producer peeking in from behind the glass, Jack Oliaro for Aria Masudi. This is Tomahawk Talk, and you're listening to 89.7 FM, WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.